Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is Southern New England's only home for sporting news radio. AM 1320, The Drive. WARL, Attleboro, Providence. Sporting News Radio. Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on WARL 1320 The Drive with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. reviewing the latest action of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer right here on AM 1320 The Drive, as well as over the Internet at 1320thedrive.com. Joining me today in the studio is Tony Biscaya from RevsNet.com, and later on we'll be joined by Pat Haggerty, uh, Revolution Defender. And last night, very disappointing result for the Revs against the last place, Real Salt Lake. Uh, Salt Lake put, on, put up three goals against the Revs, really against the run of play. But at the same time, the defending was very poor on those goals. And, you know, there were great goals from, from Real Salt Lake, but they should have done better. And it was disappointing to see the Revs lose to the last place team in the league. Yeah, you know, uh, I'm sure the the players are more disappointed than we are. Um, uh, you almost expect the three points at home against a team like that, but... Um, regardless, uh, it, that's why we play the games. It doesn't matter who you're playing, you got to come prepared to play. And uh, unfortunately, uh, they have some very, very good skilled players. And, uh, you know, our guys, uh, for whatever reason, uh, allow them to do the things that they're best at. And they put a couple in the net. So we were in the hole uh, at the end of the first half. And then at the beginning of the second half, they came out and added to their lead. And um, un- unfortunately, that's the way it goes sometimes. And uh, hopefully all, everybody learned from it and will be better prepared next time around. And it seems like the Revs have been in better form recently uh, with the, some great wins. Uh, at home especially, they've been doing extremely well. And recently the team had had three of the last four games as wins against a better opposition than Real Salt Lake is, certainly. So it was a bit surprising to see that result come against Salt Lake of all teams. But at the same time, Salt Lake is a team who had had bad news recently as far as their stadium plans and were a team that desperately needed a win. So it kind of was a trap game for them. And it was also uh, hard for the Revs to find out that Dempsey was going to be suspended for that game only Wednesday night and then having to change their plans with just really one day of practice left before that game. Right. Uh, th- that happens, you know. Uh, as, as professionals, these these guys have to deal with it. Um, as far as uh, Clint not being available, uh, that was kind of a, a blow, and uh, they, they couldn't have planned for that. But I think in any game, you have to go in there, and you, and you have to be prepared to, you know, handle uh, whatever the, the other team throws at you. And uh, let's give uh, Salt Lake some credit. I mean, they have some very good players that, you know, coming from other teams. Cunningham's a proven scorer over the the, the uh, career he's had in MLS. Uh, Chris Klein certainly has been one of the uh, better than average midfielders in the league. And uh, Jason Christ, you know, uh, I'm not sure he's still the all-time leading scorer. But they have some people who can put the ball in the net. So... Uh, just because uh, we have quality players, that that doesn't mean that these guys are going to lay down and roll over. And um, they came out, and then uh, they, even though most of the uh, goals that they scored seemed to be against uh, the the run of play, I thought territorially we did okay. But uh, you know, if you give these guys uh, an opening like that, they can certainly put it away. And uh, some days you hit one out of ten shots, and uh, on this day, Salt Lake hit on, uh, I think, better than 50% of their goals on, on uh, shots on net. So, uh, again, uh, it doesn't matter. It's it's in the past, and uh, let's put it behind us, and uh, let's take it to the next team, and uh, let's keep getting the results. Well, it was a great goal by Jeff Cunningham, certainly the second goal, uh, to beat all the defenders. Really, though, the last two games at home, uh, there have been two spectacular goals like that. Edson Buttle uh, for the Metros, well, for now the New York Red Bulls, scoring a, an excellent goal in which he beat several Rebs defenders, and Jeff Cunningham scoring one. Uh, they're great to watch for the fans of, of those teams, but really it comes down to poor defense as well as great play from the forwards, and that's something the team needs to work on because they can't keep allowing goals like that to skilled players. And those are the kind of goals we were not given up last year. Uh, it's very uncharacteristic for a Steve Nichol coach team to allow anybody to, uh, to you know, fancy step around and, and dribble around guys multiple uh, uh, 
uh, the, the, I, I was shocked that, uh, you know, knowing the kind of players that they are, you know that Jeff Cunningham's going to dribble. Um, you, you can't be ball watching. You've got to play body positioning on him. You've got to stay in front of him. Um, unfortunately, you know, the guy is tricky, and he, he, it, it's not an easy task. So, uh, again, let's give them credit. Uh, they, they had a, a great game. They got their second win on the road, in, it, only the second win in uh, Salt Lake history. But as you said earlier, they had extra motivation. You know, that team uh, was looking to build a home stadium. They got some very bad news. Um, they, they had the extra motivation. They need to show that, um, you know, m maybe they're not, they shouldn't be an afterthought in, in Salt Lake and they shouldn't be considered a minor league team. They, they want to come out and, uh, you know, hopefully their fans appreciate that the players, the professionals that they have uh, wearing those jerseys are out there and, uh, you know, they're doing the best that they can and that uh, at any given time, uh, fireworks can happen, and um, you know that's why, regardless of the, t the record of any team, uh, we should know that. Being uh, longtime Revolution supporters, uh, the, there's been some great days in the middle of those uh, bad runs that we had, losing streaks and all that, and then the team will uh, step up, and uh, that's what we live for. Um, that's what the players live for too. So when that happens, let's not take away from Salt Lake. They probably deserve that win. Uh, if not necessarily for the overall talent level on the team, then certainly for the effort on the day. And as you mentioned earlier, they, the team, uh, the ta they have a lot of talent on that team, so looking at the roster, I think a lot of people would be surprised to see the position they're in with guys like Chris Klein, Jeff Cunningham, some of the top players in the league, Jason Christ, uh, a lot of great players, big names really, Andy Williams who did well for the Revs. Uh, I think a lot of people are surprised to see how they're doing, and even Eddie Pope in the defense there, uh, one of the leaders in the league, it's, it's surprising to see that they aren't doing as well as they are. Maybe this is more indicative of what they can do. And we saw when the Revs played in, Real Salt, in Salt Lake as well that they were really the better team, uh, and the Revs were lucky to come away from that game with a draw. So maybe in this game where they, maybe the Revs played a little bit better, uh, Salt Lake got what they deserved from back then almost too uh, when they really could feel hard done by not to have gotten a win in that game. Uh, yeah, you know, a, a couple of little things could have gone differently, and it would have been an, an entirely different game. If, if Taylor Twelman uh, put in the shot that uh, had uh, Scott Gallick beat, and um, it went off the crossbar. If that goal goes in, uh, I, I think it would have been a different game. Uh, also, uh, you know, the the way that the revolution is, has been forced, as you said, Dempsey was out, and then they have to sh reshuffle the lineup. Uh, players end up in uh, less than optimum positions, um, but uh, again, they need to be ready to work on all these things, and I'm sure Steve Nichol uh, goes over these scenarios and they try to prepare for it. On this given day, uh, we didn't get the result. It's not, uh, it's not the kind of thing that obviously we need to panic over if you watch the Revolution play. They're one of the top two or three teams possession-wise, and uh, we definitely have the players uh, where we can, uh, at, at the end of the season, uh, assuming that uh, enough of our major players uh, stay healthy, it was nice to see Pat Noonan get back out there. And uh, once we have all the bodies, uh, I think we'll, we'll be fine. It's, it's not something that I'm concerned about, having lost uh, one of the uh, poorer record teams in the league. And the injury situation is getting better, as you mentioned. Pat Noonan's back playing. Franchino came on as a sub. Uh, Daniel Hernandez is back in training. Uh, Ryan Latham's back in training. Connell Smith is back in training. So uh, that injury situation is certainly getting better. Uh, but they also are going to get a guy like Clint Dempsey back, so now they're going to have some uh, difficult decisions to make, which is something I think Steve Nichol will be glad to have after going all these games with no experience at all really on the bench for, because of all the injuries and the suspension to Dempsey uh, against Salt Lake. Yeah, and, and that actually uh, works in our favor in the long term because now you've gotten some players that uh, normally may not have gotten the major minutes, uh, and it's going to help their game, you know. Uh, regardless of whether they were ready or not, they were tossed out there, and they were all better players for it. Uh, Tony Lockhead's not getting the minutes. Uh, Ryan Latham, as you said, uh, has unfortunately uh, not been available, but he'd probably be one of the guys that's getting out there. Kyle Brown has benefited from that. 
and he's shown that uh, you know he can go out there and, and be a very complimentary player. The, is he an ideal partner for a Taylor Twalman, or is he going to be in the start lineup for the Revs the rest of the season? Probably not. I mean, uh, he's still a young guy, and uh, at this level, you've got to come in and you've got to uh, hone your game. You've got to you know play to your strengths, and I think at this time, uh, Kyle Brown is still working on that. Uh, Tony Lockhead's still working on that. Uh, the one guy that's obviously stepped up and, and feels comfortable with the major minutes is uh, Jeff Laurentowitz. And uh, a, a lot of that, uh, last year, uh, he was a, a mainstay of the reserves. And uh, he's living proof that that system works and that we'll be bringing people in that are, you know, nearly ready and uh, don't take much time to adapt to being on the first team. Certainly, Jeff Laurentowitz has been a uh, great help to the Revs during these injuries taking over the spot of Daniel Hernandez when he's been out. Uh, he's played so well that I think it, it could even be a question, uh, will Hernandez get a spot back right away uh, when Jeff Durantowicz has been playing this well? Uh, that's true, and uh, Jeff certainly made a great case for himself. Uh, he's, he's versatile. He covers a lot of ground. Uh, he's um, not as much uh, of an enforcer necessarily as um, Hernandez has become known for. Uh, he's he also expends a lot more energy, whereas uh, Hernandez tends to maybe see the field a little better and play more cautious. And, and both of them, the bottom line is they they stop all the attacks, uh, they help out the defense, and then they turn the ball around and then get it up to our offensive players. And uh, it, it's great to see Jeff uh, performing in that role. And uh, I, I think, you know, depending on what happens down the road, that. Uh, it, it's always good, and Steve Nichol will be the first to tell you that uh, there should be competition in every position and that any guy that considers himself a short starter maybe will not be as motivated. So anytime that we have guys uh, coming in proving that they could do their job too and putting pressure on the starters, that's always a good thing for the team overall. And the other question is the formation change from last year. The 3-5-2 worked very well last year, got them to the championship. This year, Steve Nichols has been trying out the 3-4-3. It seems like a formation that would be very well suited for the team uh, when both Pat Noonan and Clint Dempsey are available. But he's also stuck with it during times when they haven't been and played a guy like Jose Cancelo, as you mentioned, uh, players being played out of position. Uh, Jose Cancelo is certainly one of them being played at really a left wing forward position, uh, something that isn't to his strength, I'd say. He looked frustrated out there last night, and it led to the early substitution. Is it a little surprising that even when he doesn't have the personnel that fits the formation, that he continues to run out the 3-4-3 formation? Well, I, I think that uh, Steve expects these guys to, uh, uh, you know, perceive what's happening on the field at any given time and react to it and, and uh, switch up positions. Uh, as far as uh, uh, Jose being uh, out on the wing, uh, I mean, there are pluses and minuses. That would also give him extra space where he doesn't have, uh, you know, people blindsiding him. He, he gets followed a lot because uh, he's a ball possession player. Well, if you give that type of a guy uh, a little more space out on the wing, they, it, it's uh, it's got the potential where they could have a great game and uh, really take on the guy. Um, but, you know, as, as you said, uh, is it this the strength of a guy like Jose Cancelo? Not really. That extra space, he's not a runner. He's not going to beat you going down the wing. He's not uh, that much of a ball crosser other than on set pieces. So... Uh, the, the decisions made by the coaching staff, I mean, it, it's easy enough for anyone to look at the tapes of the games and uh, not having all the information about what's happening or what's happening within the team. It's easy to second-guess their decisions, but um, I, I'm sure Steve Nichol wants the Revolution to win as much of, uh, or more than you and I do. And uh, I, I think that they try to m make the most of their assets. So. Um, can it be second-guessed? Of course. Uh, when we look back after a loss, you can say, well, that's the reason why the loss happened. That's, that's not really, uh, it's not that simple. There were times when, uh, you know, things have gotten changed up and we've gotten great results, and, of course, people aren't going to complain about when it happens that way. You know? Well, there is some good news out of last night. Uh, both Chicago and Kansas City lost their games, both of them at home as well. So uh, the Revs, as far as second place, have not changed at all. But first place has gotten even further ahead with DC United being Columbus Crew opening up a 20-point lead. It almost seems like that's out of the question at this point with how many games are left in the season and how well DC has been playing. Yeah, well, never say never. Dallas looked really strong early in the season, and then uh, they had three games in a week, two of them at home, and they lost all three. Um, DC, uh, they've had to 
juggle their team as, as we were just discussing where they've played some guys that maybe aren't playing in their preferred position but you know uh, they've worked together as a team and they've uh, pulled out the results so uh, our hats should be off to them they, they've become uh, pretty much the uh, flagship of MLS uh, it, it's hard to argue with when you pull out uh, in front like they have uh, uh, on the other hand, keep in mind that last year, the Revolution, after the first 10-15 games, we were leading the pack. And then uh, as uh, injuries happen and as uh, the schedule changes up, um, who knows? I mean, if we play D.C. heads up a couple of times and they have a couple of uh, uh, bad games, uh, we could be within uh, you know 5-10 points with only a few games left. And then at at the end of the season, um, the perspective changes, you know. Um, it, it's easy to be on a roll and uh, make the best of it until the pressure gets uh, elevated later in the season. So I think D.C. will end up uh, in first place because they've got such a, a good edge and they've got experienced players and good leaders on that team and a good coach as well. But um, can we catch up to them? We'll certainly make it closer. I, I wouldn't be surprised if we end up uh, making it a, a decent race at the end. Well, another player that you mentioned, uh, Jeff Durantowicz, who has seen so much time uh, due to the injuries, a guy like Andy Dorman coming into the season, if everyone had been healthy, he may not have been a starter, but uh, with his starting time, he's, I'd say, become the, arguably the best player on this team this season. Uh, he got another assist last night, and I think he's been doing great. What accounts for his emergence? He's, all, he's been a great, solid player um, off the bench and been a solid player, but now he's really, I think he's been... Uh, unfair that he didn't get selected to the All-Star team, and hopefully he might make them cut on Monday. Yeah, and uh, I agree with you. I, th I think Andy Dorman uh, is is one of the unsung heroes in this league. Um, he's got the mobility. Uh, he was an offensive player in college. Um, uh, I think he's never lost confidence that he could be that kind of player again. And uh, you know, he's Andy's just such a great team guy. You know, the, he does what you ask of him. He does a lot of the um, uh, work off camera or off the ball. Uh, he reminds me of a uh, younger Steve, Rol Steve Ralston, uh, who, when he was a young player, used to be uh, uh, known as Valderrama's dog, you know, because you know somebody else had to cover for the deficiencies. Well, you know, Andy Dorman, um, he's he's nobody's dog. He's a great player. Uh, he could be uh, at, at any position, and again, back to the flexibility where you know coaches have asked him to play in different roles and out, out wide on the midfield, in the center. Uh, at, at times, he stepped up front, depending on how play unfolds. He, and he becomes a forward, and he's comfortable and productive at all, at all those. Uh, I agree that um, Andy should have maybe gotten the call over some of the other guys who were bigger names, but uh, the way this all-star thing works. Um, I, I think that uh, the credit always comes later after you've performed. So, Andy, this year, uh, we're, we know what he's been doing. All the people that see him uh, week in, week out, uh, we appreciate him. But I think league-wide, uh, he hasn't gotten the credit that he deserves. I, I wouldn't be surprised, though, that next year, Andy's a shoo-in for the All-Star game, as long as he stays healthy and keeps performing at the level he's doing. And, of course, Taylor Twelman has gotten back on form uh, as well with uh, a goal or an assist in the past five games. So it's good to see him back on form after kind of a dry spell when he was without both Clint Dempsey and Noonan. I think that can be directly attributed to getting those two guys back and kind of taking some of the pressure off of him uh, as far as people were able to triple-team him and things like that before. Oh, definitely. Uh, not only the fact that defenders can't gang up on him, but just the fact that those guys create stuff so that, you know, Taylor especially with Pat Noonan and uh, uh, even Andy Dorman now, they, they just feel comfortable. They know they look for Taylor, and uh, he knows they're going to be looking for him. Uh, so, yeah, uh, having the, the guys out there that uh, are, he knows that they're going to get him the ball, uh, that provides extra motivation for Taylor. Uh, but, but I think Taylor's also, you know, hitting the stride. Uh, he's putting them away. He's making... Uh, you know, doing better with the chances that he's getting, and um, mark my words, Taylor Twelman will end up in, uh, in the scoring leaders at the end of the season. And we're going to take a quick break here, and I'll be back with Revolution defender Pat Haggerty.
120 years, the Sun Chronicle newspaper has been providing Southern Massachusetts with the best in local news. And now, the Sun Chronicle is available in stores and on racks every day by 6 a.m. But that's not all. When you open your Sun Chronicle, you'll find three new tabloid-sized pull-out sections. There's The Place, written by teenagers for teenagers. The Place will feature interviews with local high schoolers and also contain student art as well as what's hot in music and Hollywood. You can also look for the Sun Chronicle's newly designed pull-out sports section. Not only will you continue to get the Sun Chronicle's award-winning coverage of local and pro sports, but you, the reader, can sound off in the all-new sports forum. Finally, look out for the Get Out section every Thursday for a helpful way to plan your weekend. Get Out offers theater reviews as well as listings of night spots, restaurants, and movies. Get Out will also provide best bets to help you make the most of your leisure time. The Sun Chronicle newspaper, your very best source for local news. And now back to Revolution Recap with your host, Sean Donahue. Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Uh, in the studio with me is Tony Biscay of RevsNet.com. And now over the phone we have Revolution Defender Pat Haggerty. Pat, can you hear me? I can. How are you, Sean? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Oh, absolutely. My pleasure. And you've been the leading uh, player for the reserves in minutes played. Uh, we were just talking earlier about a guy like Jeff Durantowicz who did so well with the reserves last year and then earned the cops of the first team this year and has shown off how well he can do. Is that kind of someone you're hoping to follow in the footsteps of? Yeah, I think Jeff has done a great job. He's he's the good model for somebody that's really worked his way up the system. I mean, certainly, you know, you come in as a rookie and you you work hard every day and try and get better. But the reality of the situation is, you know, there are veterans on the team, some older guys that have been, been playing for longer and have, have earned the right to be out on the field. So, you know, you just go every day and try and get better in practice and, and hope that an opportunity... Um, you know, comes up and try and make the most of that. And how much do you think the reserve leagues help as far as getting noticed where uh, in past years there hasn't been a reserve league and some of the players that aren't seeing the time for the starting team really don't get the chance to show them to impress the coaches in uh, game day situations? Oh, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's one thing in practice to play well or, you know, and certainly to work hard every day. But um, going out and playing the reserve games is a good way to you know, to show what you're like in a real game, you know, against top-level players. And, um, you know, it's, it's a stepping stone uh, up to the uh, to the first 11. But uh, it, it's been a great opportunity to stay sharp and, and really to improve as a player, um, you know, when you're not seeing regular minutes with, with the first team. And you're originally from New Jersey, but you went to Boston College. So was it great to be drafted by the Revs and uh, be drafted really into an area that you're familiar with? Oh, it's spectacular. Um, Boston is its a great place to live, um, you know, so I know the area well, and there's not a place I'd, I'd rather play than, than Boston. You know, being here, I, I guess this is my fifth year after going to college for four years. It's really like a dream come true to stay around here, and, um, I, you know, I have a lot of friends, and, and my family is able to come up to games and um, be close. So it's, it's ideal. It really is. Hi, Pat. This is Tony Biscaya from Rumsnet. Hi, Tony. How are you? Good. Uh, are you still keeping an eye on that BC team, even though you're no longer there? I do. I stay in touch with a lot of the guys on the team, and certainly Ed Kelly, the coach. Um, I, I, I head back to campus from time to time, and I hope to get to a few of their games this year. And uh, they, they have one kid that's uh, sort of special, in fact. Uh, he did very well on the scrimmage early in, in the season uh, against the Revs. Uh, did you get to play with or against this kid? I you know who I'm talking about, Charlie Davis, right? Yeah, Charlie Davis is the guy. Um, I was a senior when he came in as a freshman, and he's, he's really a special player. He's got lightning lightning speed, probably runs maybe a, a 4-2, maybe even a 4-1 in the 40. Uh, good foot skills. And he's he's going to be an impact player in the MLS, I would imagine. Um, you know, I, he may even decide to to come out a year early from from college. He's that good a player, but um, certainly certainly a guy that that you'll see making an impact in the MLS in the next few years, I would think. 
And you mentioned going to college uh, through 2004, but uh, what happened between 2004 and now that you've joined the Revs? Well, I, I actually graduated in 2005, and then um, at that point I decided that I wanted to give law school a shot, so I went to uh, a small school in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania called Widener University, and I went for a semester, and I'll tell you what, it was, it was really killing me uh, being away from soccer. When I when I stopped playing after my senior year, I, I was kind of burnt out, and I thought that you know maybe it was my time to, to try something new to take up a new challenge. But um, during that during that semester, you know, in the back of my mind, I was always I was always thinking how much I missed the game and and what an opportunity it would be to, to play professionally. So, you know, when the, when the opportunity arose, I, I jumped on it. And you know, like like everybody says, you can always go back to school or or, or you know finish a degree, but uh, to have the opportunity to play professional soccer is, is an opportunity that I just couldn't let slide by. That, that had to be tough on you, though, Pat, uh, being away from the game. I don't know if you were still playing any organized ball, but uh, to come back and then try to get yourself in shape and, and play at a higher level, uh, that, that had to be somewhat difficult. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right. Um, you know, I was playing. I was playing regularly, but certainly not at a level near um, the professional level. And when I came back, there was there was plenty of rust um, in terms of fitness, game fitness, as well as just the touch on the ball. So you know, I, I would say it probably took me um, probably almost a month to get back to where I wanted to be. So um, there certainly was a, a high level of rust. But um, you know, that's, that's definitely. But at the same time, even though I had physical rust, you know, I felt mentally revived a little bit and my, my desire to play and my interest in the game I think was was that much higher and, and that really helped I think So Pat, uh, now that you've uh, gotten fairly intimate with these uh, Revolution guys uh, you have to defend against some uh, very good, uh, I'd say world class players sure, uh, sure. Who Who's the toughest guy for you to, to, to try to cover in practices? Well, you know, I, I would have to say it's Clint um, he is just his feet are so quick, and he, he's very quick on the, with the ball as well as strong. He's, he's a fairly big guy as well. So um, you know he's he's good at bowling, going in both directions, both to the left and to the right. And I'll tell you what, it's a nightmare when he's uh, when you're one on one and he's running at you. You know, it's uh, he's a very tough guy to defend. Uh, Taylor, you know, is a potent finisher, so you, you really can't give him any space to. Uh, turn and fire a shot because it's probably going in. And then another guy who's certainly tough to defend is uh, Pat Noonan. He's very strong holding the ball, very crafty with his feet. So uh, I would say those three guys are probably uh, probably the toughest to defend with uh, with Clint maybe, maybe being the toughest. Well, they certainly have the uh, MLS statistics to back you up on that. How about in the, in the reserve games that you've played? Has anyone caught your eye from the out-of-town teams that maybe we haven't heard of that we should keep an eye out for? You know, a guy who I, I saw is starting to see regular time in Dallas is a guy named, uh, I think his name is Dominic Oduro. And we went out to Dallas, and, you know, we were, we were pretty much plagued by injuries. But um, they they handed us, handed it to us pretty good. I think we lost four nothing. It was about. And this guy Dominic Otoro has a lot of pace. Um, you know, probably a little raw on his ball skills. But um, I think by the end of the year he'll be a guy that's seeing regular time with Dallas and probably uh, scoring a few goals. Maybe uh, maybe see some time in the playoffs. But I think he's probably a guy to look out for. And with the Revs head coach. Uh, Steve Nickel being a famous defender in his time, how has how has it been to work with him as the coach? Oh, he's he's a great coach and a really nice guy. You know, it's been an honor to uh, to work with him, and and I feel like you know my game is is improving mostly probably mentally knowing what to do with the ball and and to play it quicker and and all that stuff as a result of of his knowledge and his um, willingness to. Um, really, really help the younger guys in particular get better and develop a better understanding for the game. And originally, how did you first get into soccer? Um, you know, I was probably probably four, five years old, maybe younger. And it's I, I really played all the sports when I was younger. I, I loved to play them all. And just the local recreation league started playing, and and I've loved it ever since. So.
Pat, is, is your uh, uh, law education involved sports in any way? Um, no, it was... Uh, you know what, I, I don't know what um, my... It, I'll probably head back to the law school when I'm done playing, but I'm not sure which type of, which field I would like to practice in, but it, it could. That would be, that's something I've thought about um, in the past, and, and it very well could be. And you, you mentioned that you played other sports in high school, uh, tennis and basketball, as well as soccer. What made you decide to stick with soccer? You know what? That, that's a great question. I, I love them all equally, to tell you the truth. And, and I was pretty equal talent-wise in all three of them. But, um, you know, I, at some point you need to make that decision. And I can't even tell you what exactly made me choose soccer. But, um, you know, it, it's just how it happened. And, and I haven't regretted it since. It's been a lot of fun. But... That's, that's the funny thing is that I, I loved all the different sports uh, pretty much the same. So it was that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do is to, to kind of give up. I gave up playing baseball and I gave up playing tennis and, and basketball, and that was that was tough. But uh, you know it, it all worked out. So Pat, last year at the end of the season, uh, most of our reserve players were released. Um, Jeff Laurentis obviously stayed on and has done very well. But um, uh, the, the guys that are returning uh, have a, a really good shot. Uh, unfortunately, due to injuries, some of the other guys haven't been able to step up, even though they were in the second season. Uh, is, is this reserve system set up to be like a, a one-year trial type of thing, or is that just the way it, it naturally turns out where coaches have seen you over the course of a season and, and make that decision? Or is, is it also true from the player's perspective that you give it a shot, and, and if it turns out that your chances weren't as good as you originally thought before you got that shot, and uh, players may no longer be willing to work for peanuts and, uh, and just give up the dream and go back to whatever their other options in life? Yeah, you make a really good point. I think that's the way you have to look at it. It's really, you know, it's really a one-year trial, and you have to go out and work hard every day and try and get better and try and catch the coach's eye. Because as a rookie, it's it's difficult to to find time with the first team. But like you said, Jeff Lorenowitz is is the best example. He's a guy that you know has, has worked hard for for a couple years, and he got the opportunity, and he's really seized it. So. Um, yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more on, on that front. Um, you know, it's, it really is a one-year trial, and you hope that you catch the coach's eye and that um, the coaches are impressed enough to bring you back for a second year. And then, really, it's it's all about opportunity. It's all about getting that opportunity and making the most of it, I think. Well, there's another guy that comes to mind that uh, stuck it out more than one year. And uh, this year he's become, as uh, Sean was saying earlier, possibly the, uh, arguably the best player we've had, uh, and that's Andy Dorman. Uh, he didn't see a lot of action the first year. Uh, he stayed around. Obviously he's not uh, uh, one of the high-paid players. He's not doing it for the money, as most of you guys uh, probably. That, that's a given uh, at this Absolutely. stage of MLS. Uh, but, but I guess my point would be that even though that uh, first year, if, uh, I mean, uh, unless you have injuries like the Revs have this year or you have uh, a coach that truly wants to get you out there, you may not get a shot in that first year. And that doesn't mean it's time to give up yet. No, I, I totally agree with you. And I, I would also agree that um, I, I think hands down Andy has been our MVP. He's, he's improved so much really week in, week out. He's been very consistent. And he's another great example of a guy who just got an opportunity and, and seized it. I mean, there's there's a good chance that, if not for the injuries, he may not have been starting at the beginning of the season. He may have been coming off the bench. And and that's, that goes back to the point that it's really all about getting that opportunity and and seizing it. And Andy's certainly done that. He He's a phenomenal player who, who I think has probably improved more and, and he was very good at the beginning of the season, but he's probably improved more than, than anybody else on the team. He's been phenomenal. And you get to watch the Revs all the time uh, in MLS. But last weekend, the World Cup also ended. Did you learn anything from watching the World Cup? Oh, I, it's it's phenomenal to watch. I mean, you learn you learn new stuff um, every time you watch one of those international games. It's played at such a high level that, um, you, know, you know, it's a pleasure to watch. And, and just... You, you watch the games and, and you look tactically at, 
at how the guys. Um, I personally, I'm a defender. I, I like to watch uh, the defenders in particular. A guy like Cannavaro, who who was phenomenal during the World Cup. Just his positioning and his timing is is perfect, really. And um, so I, I think a team I like to watch was Italy because of their defensive abilities, and they really gave up nothing, no goals. So um, yeah, I, I think you can take something away from every team you watch, but it's it's a great thing for the when the World Cup comes around every four years. You, you can really learn a lot from from watching. Um, I'm just curious. Um, uh, did you follow the MLS players lawsuit at all? Since your interests lie along those lines. You know, I I really I really haven't. Um, not not as much as I should to tell you the truth. No, well, it's but, no longer um, an issue, and it sounds like uh, things are working out much better for the players now. But if you were to stay in the league, is that something that eventually uh, you could use your experience and your education uh, to try to help out the uh, players' union and, and the league in general? Oh, un undoubtedly. If you know, if I have the opportunity to stay around and and uh, put a couple years in, I, I think that would be that would be something that I would be very interested in, in getting involved in. Um, you know, because. <laughs> There definitely are some some serious issues um, that that us players need to need to sort out. Pro in particular, probably um, those the, the developmental contracts and the, and all that stuff. So um, that would absolutely be something that I would enjoy um, working with. Well, you've definitely been an authority on the subject uh, since you're living it, and uh, uh, I, I think it's uh, too much out of the public eye, unfortunately. A lot of the things that happen and uh, the, the issues, the day-to-day -day stuff that you guys have to deal with, uh, living on low pay and have to, you know, deal uh, with uh, living situations, and especially the guys from out of town. Uh, the, you have Boston connections, but some of the other guys don't necessarily, and it's got to be really difficult to keep you, keep your concentration and keep up your desire to make it in this league. Oh, it, it absolutely is. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, on what uh, what you make as a developmental player, it's, you know, you're you're really scraping by, living paycheck to paycheck. I mean, it's a great it's a great opportunity. It's it's a good lifestyle to to be a professional and to have the opportunity. But um, like you said, you know, I I was lucky in the sense that I went to school here. I I know people around here who, um, you know, people I could live with or or whatever it may be, but come from out of town and to have to find a find an apartment or in some cases some guys like to stay with the host family um, it, it's very difficult you know and if you don't if you don't have a car it's very it's very difficult to live around here as well knowing where Gillette Stadium is since it's not really accessible by public transportation so there are, there are definitely a lot of issues that that the public miss that um well, not that they missed, but they just don't hear about that. Um, should really should be addressed. It needs to be addressed because it's it's very difficult, um, you know, as a young player in this league to, to make it. That's that's probably a large, the biggest reason why you see so many guys, um, you know, play for a year, play for two, and then say, you know what, I, it's just not worth it. And the upcoming game, to change the subject a little bit here. Against Celtic, we saw DC United uh, last Wednesday use the opportunity to get every player uh, really some time in the reserves as well as the first team. Is that a game that's uh, exciting for you? And are you hoping to maybe see some minutes in that game? I I would love to. I mean, you know, just um, I I hope we could uh, we could have such a successful uh, game against them as DC did. But um, yeah, I, I would love to to have the opportunity to to get in there. You know, put in a couple of days of hard work at practice. And um, you know, hopefully things go well, and and our team puts a couple in the back of the net, and, and we'll see what happens. But it's it's a great opportunity to play against a, a world class organization like Celtic, and you know, you it'll really um, show our team where we're at on the international level. Even though Celtic is in their preseason, they're still a very good team, and, and I'm sure they'll be extra hungry after they uh, they took a tough beating from uh, from DC last week. Well, thanks a lot for joining us today, and good luck with the rest of the season. Oh, thank you very much, guys. Thanks, Matt. And that was Revolution defender Pat Haggerty, who's actually the leader in minutes for the reserve team this year. Uh, the reserve team uh, hasn't had the best of luck with the results so far this year, but at the same time, I think that 
due to the, all the injuries that have been affecting the first team, uh, where you see some of the players that maybe would have been playing for the reserve team playing for the first team, and then uh, a lot of really trialists or uh, just for one game only players are playing for the reserve team, and that's kind of unfortunate as well. Of course, anytime uh, you depend on guest players to step up and uh, you know, try to perform with, uh, uh, you know, outside of the regular practice uh, of the New England uh, reserve players, uh, when you bring in somebody else, uh, they're just not going to fit in and uh, they're not going to be able to achieve, uh, even uh, though they might have the talent and they might be deserving of, of uh, getting that opportunity to play. Uh, it, it, we're just not going to be able to consistently beat other teams who have the depth where they have first-team players that don't get minutes and end up on the reserves where, as, as you said, uh, our reserves, if uh, they're getting minutes, uh, they're, uh, a lot of them are with the first team, which would in, improve their game in the long run. But uh, the other thing is the schedule. The, uh, the reserve schedule this year, um, from my perspective anyways, has been kind of brutal for the Revs. Uh, it's just not been the kind of thing. Uh, I know that they've played, <clears throat> I believe, two games where they play the second half of a doubleheader with the first team. But uh, beyond being depleted, I also think that, uh, that that's one of the things the league needs to work on. Having established the uh, reserve league, they need to try to schedule it so that it works for everybody's benefit so that all the, the, the players that should be uh, getting the minutes in those reserve games and, and holding their game um, have a, a chance to do it in, uh, in a not-so-hectic uh, environment uh, when the, you know, the, travel, the travel for the team is, has been at times chaotic. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, in this World Cup year, it, it, it's been um, the further... Than uh, it deserves to be from from public attention. I'd like to promote the reserves games, but unfortunately this year I I myself have not been able to make many games. So hopefully next year uh, we can get more on on, the, on a set pattern where the reserves games happen the following day, where maybe some people that got minutes in the in the first team have a chance to uh, recover overnight and get back out there and play a little more and that uh, we have more regular players so we don't consistently have to just bring in uh, uh, local soccer journeymen, journeymen who, uh, like I said, they may be deserving, but it's just not fair to them to bring them in and, and try to produce uh, on a team. Uh, and it is a team game, so regardless of individual ability, you're just not going to be at the best um, in, in that environment when you're just uh, filling in and it's uh, not a, a scheduled thing. Probably, I, I don't know, but uh, I would expect that some of these guys don't even know that they're being called in uh, within uh, 24, 48 hours. So it, it's, it's just not been a good season for the Revolution Reserves in particular. Having said that, I still think the reserve system uh, is the way to go. I'm glad they implemented it, and I think it's only going to keep getting better and uh, that more and more players every year will be coming out of that uh, system and uh, performing on first teams. Well, I completely agree with you. It seems like the schedule this year has maybe been a little bit even different than last year, whereas last year uh, the game's almost seemed more spaced out. Uh, this season there's been so many of them happening in, in a row, so it doesn't give players time to recover as far as injuries, and uh, the same injuries that were affecting you the game before will affect you the next week, where as it's more spaced out, uh, odds are you'll be healthier for one of these games, where it also seems like during the World Cup there was a, a heavy reserve game schedule, which seemed strange to me because, uh, as Don Garber said early in the season, he was going to have an, a lighter schedule during that. certainly didn't happen with the Revs having their busiest schedule of the whole year during the World Cup, but the Reserve League as well having a very busy schedule and making it even harder for them uh, to put out good rosters and good squads for the Reserve games. Right, well... Um it's only the second season, and I, um, I think that uh, any time you have to handle the adversity or uh, whatever comes up and doesn't work the way you'd optimally like it to, you have to take that as a learning experience. And like I said, I hope that next year, uh, no longer having the... Uh World Cup and hopefully no longer having the injuries to deal with that we had this year, that uh, the Revolution Reserves in particular, uh, maybe this worked out okay for some other teams, I, but on from a Revolution perspective, it has not been a good season, and uh, those guys that are out there, uh, whether they are at the top of the standings in a reserve division or not, is not that important at this point. We need guys to uh, get the experience to, uh, you know, pick up... Uh, 
uh, their game and, and try to get up uh, to the level where they can play on the first team. So, uh, unfortunately, we won't know that until we see next year who's uh, getting the minutes. It's possible that uh, Pat Haggerty could be one of the beneficiaries. As you said, he's playing a lot of minutes, and uh, maybe that's going to work out to his advantage and maybe a few other guys that uh, we're not really aware of yet. But let's see how it plays out. And the other thing with him uh, is something that the Revs' back line lacks is height. Uh, certainly, he's a player that has a height that uh, you don't see in the Rose back line at 6'3". Uh, that's something that could certainly work to his advantage in the future when uh, the Revs are looking for some players to come in and step up to the first team. Oh, yeah. Uh, we are not one of the taller teams in the league. Uh, we have guys that can certainly hold their own, that, uh, you know, Jay Heaps can jump, and uh, we have some guys that are physical enough to play with anyone. But as a group, I think that uh, that's not our strength. And uh, that, that's going to be up to Steve Nichol to change the physical makeup of the team, as well as the uh, uh, complementary players that that we need to have available when whatever happens, uh, whether it's uh, strategic substitutions or whether it's uh, due to injuries and uh, having to put in reinforcements. But, uh, you know, uh, again, it's a long season, and uh, it's too early yet. Let's see uh, what happens from here on out. And as you mentioned, uh, the physicality of the defenders, uh, that was something that kind of lacked in the last game where it seemed almost like they were afraid to make some fouls uh, where that could have held up some of these plays in which the goals were scored. And that's something for Michael Parker that has been a good thing from him where we've seen lack of fouls. But at the, at the same time, sometimes you do need to commit a foul. And that's something that maybe isn't his strong point as far as stopping up play with a foul. Um, yeah, well, you know, you'd hope that you never have to resort to fouls, and, and Michael's a great player. He's, uh, I don't think that you could find one player in MLS that would, would ever accuse Michael Parker of being a dirty player. Uh, is he a soft player? I don't think so. I think Michael just plays a smart game, and, and he avoids getting into situations where he has to resort to fouling. But um, I really think that, uh, you know, the injuries to some of our other guys, and even the card situations, when Ashali Joseph can't come back out and help out being physical on a defense because uh, he could be suspended. Uh, it, it affects the, the entire team and the way that uh, the midfield interacts uh, with the defense and how we contain teams. So um, uh, the refereeing uh, in, in the World Cup I thought was uh, pretty bad. <laughs> uh, maybe the worst refereed World Cup, uh, whether that was uh, due to the laws and uh, what uh, FIFA decreed to their referees. But uh, <clears throat> regardless... I just think they were inconsistent, and I think MLS suffers from that, too. We continue to be inconsistent. Yeah, definitely. Uh, with Shari Joseph, as Steve Nichols mentioned, I, uh, he seems to have gotten uh, yellow cards more this year than the past years and for some things that other players aren't getting yellow cards for. And maybe even he seems to have gotten a reputation uh, as far as getting yellow cards, and he's certainly not a player that plays dirty. Of course not. I, I, again, I think if you were to poll the players that he plays against, um, does he uh, protect himself? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of guys, and if you're going to go for those 50-50 balls, you've got to protect yourself. But he is, in a, is he an aggressive type that's out to injure other players? No way. I don't think anybody would accuse him of that. Uh, same with Daniel Hernandez and, uh, you know, Jeff Polrentowitz now. I mean, we need guys that, uh, that have a physical presence that, that, that won't get pushed around. And, um, you know, that, that will um, uh, establish the, the, the style of play as much as having skilled players where we can just uh, knock the ball around. I, I think you need to have the flexibility where your team can play any way that the other team wants to bring it to you. And getting back to Friday night's performance, uh, Steve Nichols certainly was not happy with that. Uh, the defensive effort... Uh, was something that we were aren't used to seeing from the Revs as far as past years, as far as giving up some of the goals they gave up, and we can play Steve Nichols' comments now. Well, we defend the least school boys and finish the least school boys. You know, the first goal, the first goal is a great cross and a great run. You know, we've got to give credit. It's a good goal for them, but up until then we had all the possession. If I'm fully scored, we had all the possession, but we didn't really make any clear chances. After the goal, you know, we made some chances and, uh, you know, I can't remember a game where we had so many balls in the box and never managed to get anybody on the end of it. Um, give them credit, they defended well, two centre-backs. Second goal, um, schoolboys, just schoolboy defending. The third goal is just one of those crappy goals, the ball falls and it's a decent strike, goes through. 
to five or six people. Uh, it's just a crappy goal which happens when when you're having the night we had. Um, as far as possession, we had some we probably had three superb opportunities in the game to score, along with a, a ton of half half things. And as I said, I don't, I don't remember getting that, like a game where we had so many balls in the box and we never get anybody in there. But very frustrating night. Just curious if uh, you did the fire brimstone treatment or. It's not the time for it, it's too easy at the end of a game. I think you need to, uh, you know, if you're going to say something to anybody, you need to make sure it's, it always has to be constructive criticism. Uh, sometimes after a game it's not the best time to be saying things. Um, I think we have to just look at what we did and... I mean, offensively, you're going to have nights where you don't take chances and, and you can't get anybody in the end of things. And that was probably one of them tonight. Uh, but defensively, obviously, you know, it was uh, pretty poor. Did you the teams that kind of came every three days over the last four or five weeks? Did you think that Five shots, three on target, three goals. I mean, you know, because we if we limit a team to five shots and goals every game, we'll be happy. But yeah, situation confused the team somewhat. No. Well, listen, you know, I'm saying, I'm saying we had possession. You know, you're playing against the team who are sitting in, so there's always going to be bodies in the way. Uh, at the end of the day, it's up to us to break that down. Um, we could maybe have done a better job of it, but we still had clear chances in the game. I mean, that's all you can ask for. We, we definitely had clear chances in the game. Uh, we had a load, of, a load of balls and good balls in the box, and we never capitalised on it. Um, which is down to you know maybe some uh, some bad runs, some poor choice, some poor decisions. Um, but if we can get that much possession in a game again, then I'm. I'm I'm pretty confident we're going to turn it into goals. We just didn't do that tonight. And uh, we picked a night to leak some pretty bad goals. Can you talk about the overall defensive performance as you sat there in that fight? Well, schoolboys, I don't really think it tells you anymore. I think if uh, I would have loved to have played against, uh, against us tonight, given far too much room, okay, they're breaking, but when you close somebody down, you have to be in his face and you have to be uh, putting him under pressure and you have to be strong. What about the play of Pat Mahomes tonight? coming back after a while? Yeah, I think he, I think he saw and, the, and the, you know, Pat was, was pretty tired at halftime. We just asked him to give us another 10, 15, maybe if he could uh, break them down for us um, because he had, he had uh, broken them down two or three times in the first half and was clearly a threat in the first half. Just obviously that that extra yard missing through not training and, and being out. So, you know, that was encouraging. And we also heard from Jay Heaps last night, and he certainly seemed to agree with Steve Nichol, and we can play those comments as well. But, but take that bat and, and really use it as motivation because we are not getting in on the challenges that we need to get in on and winning our one-on-one -on -one battles, and, and that's something that you know we prided ourselves on last year and, and on ourselves during the, the stretch that we were, we were winning games. We were, we were getting in tough and, and making it difficult for their offense and their forwards. Sure. Well, sorry, one more. Um, did switching from a four at the back to a three at the back have a, an impact on that, do you think? No, I think that you know three at the back... Uh, no, I, I, you know, I think that you know, Stevie Nick, he, he wants us to win, and I think that uh, he puts the, the style out there that's going to, you know, best suit us. And you know, losing Clint, you know, threw us in kind of a kind of predicament in the sense that you know we practiced that way, and then all of a sudden he's taken off, and so we went with it anyway without you know his dynamic, uh, his dynamics uh, on the ball. But in that same breath, you know, we, you know, three at the back is something that that we, you know, absolutely it were unbelievable at last year, and uh, we've been done well this year at. It's just uh, a matter of uh, you know getting back to that uh, form, and, and I know we can do it, and, and we will do it. And uh, for us to do well, that's what we need to do. And that was Revolution defender Jay Heaps on uh, last night's game and uh, poor defensive effort, really. Uh, but before I let you go, uh, like we have a couple weeks ago, we had Jim Dow on talking about ResNet. But it seems like this year ResNet has really picked up the coverage and added up several new writers. Uh, can you talk about what's new at ResNet this season? Uh, well, you know, uh, I. Do the photography as usual, but you're right. Uh, we've had uh, a couple of new people step up uh, with with 
try to uh, get the coverage out uh, to the fans. Uh, it, it, it's been tough. Uh, my partner, Mike Marshall, uh, got married. He doesn't have the time to devote to some of the stuff, so we needed to pick up the slack. Jim Dow, uh, as always, has done a fantastic job for us. And uh, uh, this year we brought in Matt Pruitt. Uh, uh, Don Cuddy, who who was uh, writing for uh, one of the major newspapers in the southeast coast of Massachusetts, um, has uh, provided some uh, content for us, and uh, we we hope to keep that up. And if anything, we we would like to improve it. Uh, it it's it's great that people appreciate it, uh, and uh, <clears throat> that's the name of the game. We we try to get uh, people the information that they need. Uh, the revolution's been very accommodating, as as our numbers of people uh, and contribute have increased and uh, as long as they allow us to, to, to have access then uh, we'll keep trying to provide all the content we can. And before we wrap things up here, uh, two upcoming games this week for the Revs. Uh, Wednesday game, a friendly against Celtic. Uh, should be a very great match and it should be a great match for the fans to see uh, the top team in Scotland and a team that regularly competes in European competition uh, face off against the Revs. Yeah, and uh, normally this would be a really good measuring stick uh, in the middle of this particular season. It's not necessarily something that I uh, I think that uh, probably our main priority is that nobody get hurt <laughs> and uh, that we we do put on a good showing. Uh, obviously, as individuals, these guys will take it as a challenge to play on the level of people who are uh, on a, a bigger stage than they are at this point. And, uh, uh you know, so some more than others will want to get out there and show that they can play at that level. Um, as, as far as the upcoming games, I would place uh, a higher level of importance on the on the Houston game. Uh, keep in mind that Houston had the best record in the league last year. Uh, they had some problems early this year, but they're now hitting their stride. Um, and uh, I'm. I'm just hoping that uh, we can get some points out of that game. Houston certainly has been picking it up recently, as you said, and they're currently residing in second place in the West, uh, three points back from Dallas with the game in hand. So they've been doing well. Uh, with Brian Ching back especially, who's been doing extremely well recently as far as goal-scoring ability. So that should be a very difficult game for the Revs and a uh, very important game to win. Oh, definitely. They all are. But uh, when you play against uh, the elite teams, uh, whether it's, uh, you know, like I said, uh, Dallas and uh, Houston this year, neck to neck in the West, and of course any game we play against uh, division opponents is important. But uh, I think that these guys uh, welcome that challenge. I think that when you play against some of those teams, um, it, you know, we were talking about how we lost the Real Salt Lake. Who we, you know, it, 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 we think we have a better chance to get the points from them. But in reality, you got to get out there, and regardless of who you, the opposition is, you've got to be ready to go, and you got to perform at your best. So, uh, yeah, uh, Clint, fortunately, will be back for that game, and will be able to perform in uh, front of friends and family down there in Houston. Uh, that should be uh, a, a plus for our offense. But uh, as a team, we need to forget about this last game. We need to get out there, play some consistent ball, and uh, take, the, take the game to Houston. And one final thing to mention is the U.S. Open Cup coming up, uh, I believe August 2nd is the Reds' first game. Uh, with the results on Wednesday, the Reds will play in Rochester against the Rochester Rhinos, who uh, the Reds have played in the past. Uh, they've beaten them once and also lost to them once, uh, so that should be a great game. Uh, but also announces if they do advance, uh, they will play the winner of the Kansas City and Chicago match. Uh, should Chicago advance, the Reds will play in Chicago. Should Kansas City advance, the Reds will play again at Lusitano Field in Ludlow. So possibly another home fixture for the Reds there. Yeah, and uh, let's hope, um, you know, I don't think we've played Rochester at their place yet. We've played them a couple of times in, in Ludlow. And uh, they come to play. And uh, I know that... Uh, uh, the revolution does, in, in spite of uh, some public opinion, they do take the tournament serious. And um, I, I hope that uh, we, we can get to yet another final and uh, maybe pick up our first trophy. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you winning the U.S. Open Cup would be a very legitimate achievement for revolution. The Revs did get close one time before back in 2001. Uh, and with the same luck as every other final they've been in, two MLS Cup finals, losing to L.A. in overtime, uh, same thing happened in that game. So I, I think the Revs want to end that streak uh, very quickly. And uh, I'd love to see it end against those very same uh, Los Angeles Galaxy. So let's see how it goes. And uh, we'll wrap things up now. I'd like to thank Tony for joining me today. I'd also like to thank uh, Pat Haggerty uh, for coming on over the phone. Uh, the archives can be heard at revolutionrecap.com. 
we'll, we won't be here next week, but uh, we'll be back certainly within the next few weeks. So thanks for joining us today. All right, thanks for inviting me, Sean.